Hi. Hi. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Uh, well, you know, I'm I'm okay. Um, I should say for the listener, we're recording this on election day. So um, for the future, uh, I guess insert, um, you know, message of celebration or commiseration as <laughs> applicable. Thank you, editor, producer, friend, Nick Bravo. Uh, yes, a real friend. Um, a real hero and a real human being. That's right. Just like Ryan Gosling. Absolutely. What, have you seen that movie? Uh, yes, I have. Um, the only thing I remember from it is uh, the soundtrack and then also that part where Ryan Gosling sort of explodes someone's head in an elevator like he's stomping <laughs> on a pumpkin. He stomps his head until it just pops like an overripe melon. Right. And I just remember feeling so overcome with uh, that delicious, toxic, violent masculinity. I, I was just really into it uh, in a bad way. Oh, I love it. It's great. I mean, I actually do really love that movie. <laughs> um, it's freaking cool. Like, it's really cool. It's pretty cool. It's, it's the thing about that movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just kicking someone's head apart, you know? Yeah. And then someone gets stabbed at some point with a knife from the knife that collection. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> These are the things I, I remember about, I want to say, 2012 hit uh, Drive. Yeah, uh, that sounds about right. Um, I literally only remember the the head explosion part and the like he turns around his love interest girl so she doesn't have to see it. And I'm just like, oh, I sort of wish that was me. <laughs> it's very considerate. Yeah. Like, was, um, you know, yeah, kind. you don't need to see this. Right, exactly. Um, but the audience got to see it. We did. We did. We did. Yeah. God. Um, so... Uh, I'm going to revise my earlier answer. Um, I'm I'm doing fine, but also a lot of other ways simultaneously. Interesting. Um, could you enumerate those ways for me? Yeah, sure. So um, I've I've been working with my therapist lately on being a bit more radically open about my mental health. So Ooh, um, get ready for those floodgates to open, my friend. <laughs> I hope uh, this makes for compelling content. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm sort of getting over a uh, a mental health crisis, and it's mm. it's still really weird to say that out loud. Um, but it's uh, I don't know. I, I think making it real makes it easier to uh, work with it, and uh, you know, work on uh, not being in a crisis anymore, which I don't think I am, which is uh, you know the correct direction to go. Yeah, no, that's definitely the way you want to be going. Um, that's, yeah, that's just really hard. It is, is definitely hard to like, um, you know, to talk about that stuff. And, uh, that's really cool that you're, you're getting to a place where you can do that. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, uh, talking openly about it really sort of robs it of some of the power it has over you. Um, mm. which is, uh, really good for you know healing and getting better and feeling like a stronger person uh -huh. um but uh yeah i i recently uh i was initially diagnosed years ago as just having major depressive disorder but they've changed that to something on the uh the bipolar spectrum called cyclothymia which i had never heard oh. of it sounds like you know a, a an ancient greek god but <laughs> um it's uh it's often described as sort of like bipolar's mild mannered younger sibling. <laughs> um that's an interesting so I, way to describe that. Right, yeah. I I'm I'm lucky in that I don't um in in bipolar 1 you you know you, when you have like a something called a manic episode you can sort of like get a little bit disjointed from reality and um uh, get involved in some very intense risk-taking behavior and sometimes even have like sort of uh, psychotic episodes and things like that. And luckily, um, cyclothymia doesn't deal with that. You get something called hypomania, which is mm. um, just a really pleasurable, happy state of mind where you're very talkative and you feel very productive and maybe you like spend a little bit too much money, but it's, it's not near <laughs> um, 
huh. <laughs> near the the dangerous highs of a of bipolar one, which is nice. Um, uh, the depression is very real, though, which is unfortunate. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> anything where you're cycling around a lot like that seems like it's um, makes things hard because, like, how do you predict like how you're going to be from one day to the next? Right, exactly. Um, it's it's been sort of interesting, um, I guess, taking this new uh, this new diagnosis and incorporating it into my sense of self because mm. I had always sort of had this um, really unfortunate tendency to uh, to self blame when I would be mm-hmm. you know dropping into a depressive episode from a hypomanic one. I'd be like, I was happy just twenty minutes ago. What what's wrong with me? I'm just not thinking the right thoughts. Um, or something, you know, equally ridiculous like that. But right. um, it's it's sort of helped to uh, alleviate that sense of, um, oh, oh, what's the word? Like it, it being my fault. Um, and uh, but but it's also sort of uh, dangerous if you go too far down that road, because then you start feeling like deterministic and like, oh, I'll just never be normal. Um, yeah. So I don't know what the, <sighs> the right thing to do is, but I, I think I'm making progress, which is good. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely easy. I think, um, I mean, even in the context of like a, at least social media world where people tend to be very open about depression, I would say. Um, and like other, other things like that. Um, it is still hard to see them as, real illnesses like I think for a lot of people when it comes to themselves like even people who will be like oh I understand that someone else has um a mental illness and like that's actually a real thing that affects their life and like it's not just that they're lazy or whatever but like when it comes to yourself I think a lot of people are much less forgiving oh absolutely yeah I um I, I've been in a bunch of sort of group therapy settings lately, and it, it really is sort of amazing to see um, your own, you know, habits of minimizing your issues playing out in the people around you. And right. I, I really do think that is uh, uh, a thing that a lot of people fall into. Um, and if I can just like uh, bring another thing into it, I I feel like... Uh, I'm a trans woman and I, I feel like um part of being a pseudo visible person on the internet who is part of like a, a minority group is you you want to seem like like you're doing well and like mm. you are um you're in a good place. Um if you have, you know, like uh two thousand followers, you you want to make sure that like um, I, I, I don't know if this goes for everyone, but I have this sort of uh, primordial fear inside of me that if um, I'm too open about the issues that I'm facing, uh, especially with mental health, it will make it easier for bigots to sort of um, trot out the old argument of, oh, well, uh, being trans is like a pathological thing and like pathologizing transness and things like that. Um so I, I I do feel like there is maybe this sort of uh, impetus, this this pressure to uh, to appear functional when when you are a part of a minority group. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And yeah, like you say, I think that's something that yeah, basically every group like advocating for um, rights in a society that doesn't see them as deserving of them, um, to put it very simplistically, there is that pressure to be. I mean, like whether you want to call it like respectability or like um, togetherness or or whatever, um, it's like yeah, you um, you want to seem like you are like a functioning member of society, like quote unquote. Um, because if you're not, then there's this concern that like oh, that's not just going to be wielded against you; that's going to be wielded against a lot of other people because all members of like minority groups are treated as representatives. Right. Exactly. Um, that's to uh, go down that path a little bit further. That's one thing I've really, really sort of um, been hyper aware of ever since starting my transition is just like, you don't get to be anonymous anymore. You, you sort of lose that bodily anonymity that you have um, uh, mm. as, you know, presenting as a cis man. 
um, a cis white man in my case, which was, you know, fucking choice, um, uh, except for the whole dysphoria thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's so interesting just like, uh, being viewed in an, like in an objectifying way in so many different like ways <laughs> moving through the world as a woman and as a trans woman. Um, it's weird stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess basically, uh, nobody who isn't, you know, in every way normative is like, you know, it would be nice to like, not have to think about that stuff, but, um, you basically like, don't get to, <laughs> right, kind of, like, exactly. to right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, fun stuff um no i mean but real stuff you know people i think sometimes on the show are like oh, i don't want to bring it down too much and it's like bring it down as far as you want you know like i don't <laughs> this, is a, oh, yeah, this no. is a safe space to be um to both to bring things down and to google naruto's feet like whatever people want to do here um we just well, play in the space I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, I just have a bunch of choice picks lined up right here uh, that I've just been staring at to sort of, you know, keep no. my, my mood buoyant. No. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, Merritt, did, uh, did our mutual friend uh, Victoria Holden ever send you a picture uh, from our office at uh, Crunchyroll of uh, a drawing that was made on one of the walls of a uh, famed video game character Kirby? And uh, his feet without shoes on. I think I have seen this picture, or probably, or possibly, an unrelated separate picture of this phenomenon or this this yeah, subject. I, I feel like you know, uh, deep down in the Jungian subconscious that is shared between all humans, uh, really the the root theme of humanity is a uh, video game character Kirby with human feet. Yeah, no, I mean, everyone wants to know, like, what under those shoes, though. Um, so, like, you know, we want to know what what's under what's under Sonic's shoes. We want to know what's under Kirby's shoes. Mario, I have a pretty good idea what's under his shoes, but maybe he'll surprise us, you know? That's right, yeah. Well, I mean, um, you know, with uh, the the new Mario Odyssey, they've taken away a bit of that sort of cartoonish mystique mm. to the uh, the plumber with his like each individual hair is sort of animated on his mustache in this yes. grotesque display of of um uh power <laughs> um and so I, I can only imagine that the next mario we're just going to see him um naked like yeah. absolutely naked yeah and you know i think that brings up a good point which is um that you know I think some things should be left to the imagination. And um, when you just show, when you show the whole thing of Mario, um, I think it just takes away some of that magic, you know? I think their scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could show Mario's nipples that they never stopped to think whether they should. Yeah. Um it's it's really sort of an Oppenheimer situation, I think, where uh, you know years down it the is. road, we're going to have posters in GameStop of of naked, fully rendered twenty uh, k resolution Mario um, with his his horrifying member uh, in full display, um, and uh, you know uh, Shigeru Miyamoto oh on his deathbed will say, "I am become death, destroyer of worlds. What have I done?" Yeah. I just, I'm pretty upset that you said the words member and Mario in the same sentence. <laughs> Unless you're going to say member of the Mario fan club, uh, then I don't think that's a good thing to say. Um, well, Merritt, I was told that, you know, this was a safe space where I oh, could damn, go, I as, say that. go as low as I wanted to. And, you know, I think that really is the dregs of, of my imagination. Well, the nice thing about going, about hitting rock bottom, is that there's nowhere else to go but up. That's true. Well, they, I mean, they say that. They say that, but, like, I found that there is often a sub-basement. Like, it's like a, a comical <laughs> comedy thing where, like, you keep falling through floors, and then you, like, mm -hmm. think you stopped, and then the floor creaks, and you, like, keep falling. 
Um, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so Mary, I, I think I would invite you to, uh, to open that cellar so we can fall even further with, with any sort of horrifying eldritch uh, yeah, imagery I mean, that you would like to introduce to the conversation. I mean, let's open that up. What do we have down there? Um, we've already gone straight to like the perennial favorite on the show, which is um, the feet of, you know, a ninja or um, what is Kirby anyway? Kirby's um, a, a ball. He's, he's an orb. A, he's a sphere, a spheroid happy boy. I think uh-huh. that's like the, the scientific name for his genus and phylum. Okay. Spheroid happy boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that is it. Um, did you ever watch the Kirby like TV? Sh- I think maybe you were too young for this. Um, there was a Kirby TV show and it aired on like Fox Kids on Saturday morning. Oh my gosh. Are you talking about the cinematic milestone that is Kirby right back at you? I am. Oh, I really, really enjoyed the two or three episodes that I watched of that show when I was, <laughs> I don't know, five or six or something. Yeah, I, wow, five or six, huh? Um <laughs> Okay. Um, no, I mean, I li- what I liked about that show is that the title was like a joke about Kirby, you know, because he yeah. famously swallows his foes and then spits them back at other foes. Right. Which, um, uh, you know, it's a perfect subtitle for it. And I- I'm sorry, I just got a little bit distracted by the whole like Vore angle and how how Kirby must have awoken quite a few people in a very specific way. Yeah, I am. I do have a a mini comic where, uh, where Metal Sonic climbs inside Kirby. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is a, um, that's something that I have. Um, Uh, Merritt, could you, uh, after the show, maybe send that, send that my way. Yeah, I mean, it is a physical comic, so I would have to, you know, take some screens, but I will try and find it. <laughs> and um, because, yeah, I mean, it, it's really artfully done. There's also another one in the same mini comic that is, um, it's like Dr. Eggman force feeding Mario super mushrooms. Oh. Um, so I don't know. I own some stuff that I'm not really sure why Mm -hmm. um but i do so i mean it's just stuff that i've accumulated in my travels you know right um gosh i am just thinking of metal sonic's pointy little nubbins that are all over his body just poking kirby's insides and that can't be comfortable no although what happens is i think that kirby just is able to like instantly just like compress whatever he's swallowed into like nothing right that's sort of how he works um right. and then like a little star comes out of him like a little old poot um yeah i think that's how that works yeah kirby just sort of is able to um break space and time and turn a horrible just deviant art-esque situation into a cute little star yeah so that's something yeah you know i i think there is like a little bit of it's it's like the uh, the butterfly at the end of Pandora's box. After all, the uh, the horrible shit escapes into the world. <laughs> Just this nice little star. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, Merritt, how are you doing? I haven't asked you because I've been too busy talking. I think you did, and I said I was okay. But well, um, I really want to know how you're doing. Well, yeah. I mean, how am I doing? I'm doing okay. I'm um dealing with the end of daylight savings time which every year i forget that it's so bad it's like the worst oh my Um, god i really don't care for it because it starts getting dark around like three o'clock yeah it's pretty wild i looked out the window yesterday and um there was this sort of beautiful somber autumnal sunset and i was like oh this uh, this is putting me in the mood to, you know, slow down and get sleepy. And then I looked at my phone and it was 4 p.m., um, which was all sorts of terrible. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not great. I feel like the only thing that I can kind of try to do is to get up at like six in the morning and then be in bed by like nine o'clock. Um, mm -hmm. But that's certainly easier said than done. Uh, so I don't know. I got up at nine today. Um, I am trying to force myself to do that. And I, we'll see how it goes. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, not to to be too much of a, uh, um, a wishy-washy mental health person, but uh, I, I do have to say that forcing myself to be on a schedule has been nothing but beneficial. Yeah. No, it's, it's really good. Um, I have had some success with it, but it's, yeah, I don't know. Lately, I'm just like, I'll get up. And then I do some work. Um, but my problem is that I actually really enjoy my job. So mm -hmm. I have a hard time not working, which is like, you know, the kind of bullshit thing that people say in interviews, like, oh, I work too hard. <laughs> but that's actually my thing because I um, find work is really engaging. And, you know, I think um, I have my own uh brain issues. Mm -hmm. And one thing that helps with those is working. And I often find that I don't have the interest to do things that aren't that, like that sitting down and like reading a book or even watching a TV show or playing a game, you know, all things that are nominally like relaxing. I, uh, I don't know. It's just like hard for me to like dredge up any interest in them. And I guess of all of the coping mechanisms that you could have, like working is not bad. Um, but that can't be the only thing you do. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I also am very much a fan of my job. Um, and I, I, I feel like I have like a pretty good work life balance, but, um, a, a lot of people I work with definitely uh, sort of fall into that where it's just uh, you're so passionate and personally invested in um, what you're working on. You don't make time for anything else. And when you do, when you do sit down to play uh, Soul Calibur Six and decide to create Sans Undertale in the uh, character creation, you just become really stressed out about not doing work. Um, yeah, so I, yeah. Yeah, I I'm I'm really lucky in that I uh I feel like I don't have that that sort of like guilt synapse uh at least wired to to uh to like oh I should be working it's more like oh I shouldn't be having fun because I don't deserve to which yeah, I, I'm sure yeah. <laughs> also is like a pretty common thing but um yeah that um that's really tough um and I I totally understand to a degree uh, how how draining it can be um, to really, really, really love your job and just sort of enmesh that into your identity. <laughs> I think that's called a high class problem, like being tall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's no, true. I mean, but it's real though. But it, yeah, I'm, I also try and be conscious of like, oh, well, I'm really lucky that I love my job this much. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. Um, it's always good to remember. Uh, it's pretty amazing that I get to work with cartoons all day. Um, I try yeah. to remind myself of do that. Do you want to talk about often. your job a little bit? About what oh. you do for people who don't know you? Well, sure. Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Kayla Coates, and I'm introducing myself halfway through this podcast. Um, <laughs> so I, I work for... Um, a company called Elation, which has two separate streaming platforms called Crunchyroll and Verve. And uh, I work on both of them currently. Um, and I actually work uh, sort of in uh, pretty close proximity with you, Merit, which is That's very true. fun. Yeah. I mean, um, regular listeners may know that I also uh, work at Verve at four. I'm not actually there most of the time. Um, but I do work for Verve in the capacity of being a managing editor on the Verve blog, which has been a great experience and 
I love just publishing all kinds of weird stuff on like TV shows and movies and all kinds of just like bonkers, uh, you know, oddball stuff. It's uh, wonderful. I um, I have been so, so much a fan of the direction you've taken the blog in. Um, I, I'm just a, <laughs> a really big fan of how you've been curating the content there. Um, and if anyone listening has any sort of like weird piece that you've written that you can't find a home for, maybe try and pitch it to Merit. Um, yeah, yeah. No, please do. I will say that we're basically all blocked out until the new year. But um, yeah, I will certainly be looking for other stuff then. And yeah, you know, it's really fun because I get to work with established writers who I really like. But also um, I've been working with um, writers that have never published before. And like seeing getting to publish someone's first piece is really cool because you're like, oh, I wonder where this person's going to go from here. Um, it's really exciting. Yeah, um, it's a really great mix of uh, sort of established voices and then um, people who are just sort of uh, uh, sticking their foot in for the first time, uh, bringing it back to feet. Um, Thanks. Yeah, well, I can't really let us escape the the main theme of this podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a wonderful publication and I hope everyone enjoys reading it and submitting to it. Uh, yeah, well, but- I'm glad we... Uh- Glad we got that plug in there. Exactly. Well, I mean, uh, it, it was coming. I, I hope you felt it in your bones. Yeah, um, yeah no, <laughs> it was going to happen. I mean, come on. Like, we both work at the same time. Yeah, of course. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about all the workplace drama. We're going to talk about, you know, what kind of coffee we have there and whether that That's is right. good or bad. I personally do think it's pretty good because um, I love that fills, you know? Yeah, the uh, um, the coffee there is uh, pretty good from from what I hear. I don't actually drink coffee, but right. it smells great. Coffee. Yeah, you know, even before I started drinking coffee, I was like, oh, this is it smells pretty good, but um, it tastes real bad. And I actually worked at a coffee shop um, for like a whole summer before I started drinking coffee. Like the whole time I was there, I would just drink like cans of Coke to stay awake because I was working an overnight shift. <laughs> Um, I, I feel like I'm eternally trapped in that particular um, uh, era of of taste palettes, uh, which mm-hmm. is ten years old. I'm still like a really <laughs> big, big fan of chicken nuggets. Um, yeah, gotta get your love. Nugs. Love applesauce. Uh, love applesauce. soda. Interesting. Yeah. Oh my god, I love applesauce so much. Um, and I still think that any sort of coffee that isn't some sort of like milkshake that is vaguely coffee flavored <laughs> tastes like a uh, horrible horrible dirt water yeah well that's probably good that you don't drink coffee then i mean i don't know whether it's good or not but i think the science is still out but um it's certainly addictive i will say that uh yes um so maybe it's okay that i am uh, you know, a, a child in terms of, of yeah. palate. I think that's okay. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a child, but I would say I am like an idiot bachelor. Like right before we Ooh. recorded this, I ate a sandwich to um, fortify me for the recording process. And mm-hmm. that sandwich contained uh, a cheese and it contained um a kind of fake cheese produced by one of these um, fake meat companies who I won't name because um, they're not paying me. And okay. um, I, to be fair to myself, I did or I, I did order it from the grocery delivery service, which I won't name because they're not paying me. Uh, <laughs> thinking it was fake meat um, because their description and, and pictures were very small and it had a name that was very ambiguous and I guess started with CH, but it was just called Chow. And I was like, oh, like the Sonic <laughs> characters. Did you like cut them up and you're feeding me slices of them? Um uh-huh. but uh it was just fake cheese. And so I'm like, okay, well guess I'm eating a sandwich that's real cheese, fake cheese, and hot sauce. I guess that's my day. Well 
Merit, how can we be sure that the fake cheese isn't actually chow meat? There's no way of knowing, really. There um, really isn't. Those little guys caused me so much anxiety back in the day. Because, oh my gosh. Um, in Sonic Adventure 1, um, they could die, definitely. They just got <laughs> into an egg and disappeared forever. <laughs> and also, they did this thing where, like, sometimes you could, like, if you picked them up and threw them off. Like, there was one of the gardens had, like, a just, like, an open hole. I mean, there was like a rail over it, but you could <laughs> uh-huh. throw them clean off and then they were just gone. Oh my God. And I was like so upset when, <laughs> like, I don't know. It was the same when I used to play Creatures like way back in the day, which is probably before your time. Um, it was like a virtual pet thing, except they lived in a world and like interacted and they like bred and then they had genes that passed down different characteristics, which was really oh, a cool idea okay. at the time. Um, sort of but... like Spore, but good yeah but good um less about just like fighting and more about just like teaching them how to do things and then they teach each other how to do things and it was kind of neat in that respect um but yeah i never wanted to let any of those creatures die um when i was young and so uh yeah the chow i was terrified that they would die and then i think in two maybe they could as well um and you had to, like, feed them all kinds of garbage, like, all these little <laughs> vials. And, like, you fed them small animals, actually. Oh. I don't know if you fed them. But basically, you, like, collected animals in the stages of Sonic Adventure. And then you brought them to the chow. And they would, like, look at them. And, like, the animal would disappear. And then if you'd given them enough animals of a certain kind, they would, like, take on that animal's characteristics. That is fascinating. It was horrible. I never actually I, – I never played um... – either of the sonic adventure battle games um i i was uh pretty much just a pokemon person through and through which uh you know i i had a tamagotchi but i i made my mom take it to work with her to feed it since i wasn't allowed to have it at school so i was sort of um absolved of any guilt or or sadness when it came to virtual pets because pokemon are immortal um and my my mom fed tamagotchis for me oh that's nice yeah, um, she was maybe a bit too uh, too too nice to me. I, I probably should have faced the, the cold reality of of death. Uh, well, no rush. There'll be t- plenty of time for that. Yeah, you're right. You know, Pokemon's <laughs> sort of like the one place where nobody nobody dies. I mean, I think Pokemon must die because if they didn't, then the world would eventually just be overrun by these little bastards. Um, That's true. There'd just be f- fucking Zubats everywhere, as far as the eye could see. Um, and I would hate that. So, I mean, but Pokemon also don't have sex canonically. They just like, they find an egg somewhere. Yeah. They just sort of like hang out in a field and then you come back the next day and there's an egg mysteriously. That's how babies happen. Yeah. I know what Um, to tell you. Well, I mean, I don't know anything to the contrary. So, I mean, that's just how how it works. Um, yeah, uh, I think Pokemon in the canon of the anime television series do die. I seem to specifically remember that, um, Ash's Charmander almost died when some water got in his little fire tail. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that was horrible. It's like, in the Pokedex, it's like, if the light on its tail ever goes out, it dies. Like, yeah, fuck, (laughs) are you kidding me? (laughs) That's horrible. That, like, little synthesized robot voice that's usually just so like, you know, I'm happy to hear you give me information about these cute little monsters. And it's like, oh, yes, this is a Charmander. It has fire-based attacks. And if the fire on its tail ever goes out, it fucking dies. You horrible, horrible human. Yeah, you killed it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of other weird shit, though. Like, and and not to be all like YouTube creepy 10 creepy game facts you didn't know about pokemon um <laughs> not to be all like that about this but like um well i mean you know I, the I one that's a balloon the one that's a balloon that like drags children's <gasps> souls away to hell uh, yes. or the one that's like i mean all the ghost ones are fucked up because like that basically well like no <laughs> the existence of ghost pokemon confirms that 
Pokemon die. There's death in the Pokemon universe, yeah. Well, either Pokemon die or people die and turn into Pokemon, um, which is maybe like the Jinji Ito version. Actually, the whole balloon dragging people (laughs) away to hell. I just read a Jinji Ito story like an hour before we recorded called um, God Something Blimps. It's in Shiver. And uh, do you know, are you, do you read his, are you familiar with his work? I've only read Uzumaki and the the cat one. The cat one's very good. Uh, cat Diary. I read that. Like, I've actually only started getting into him. Um, I read The Cat Diary, which um, isn't horror for people who don't know. Um, he's most known as a horror uh, mangaka, but um, The Cat Diary is like about his fiance adopting these two cats and then he has to learn to deal with them. But he uses his like horror chops to just like <laughs> to like hilarious effect. It's delightful. It's <laughs> it just makes me smile. Uh, it made me like laugh out loud when I was sitting outside um, reading it. And I was like, books rarely do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the blimp story is about like these like blimps shaped like people's heads that like start descending on this town and when they find the person whose head they are, they like they they're all dangling nooses from them and they try to hang that person. And then they're just like dragging their like corpses around the city. And like, it's just about this one girl who like has been hiding in her house for like weeks. um, And like all her family's dead. And like most everyone in the city is dead. And like the balloon is just like talking to her in her own voice, like come out. It's so nice outside. Um, oh my gosh yeah it's amazing (laughs) it's like uh yeah it's one of the jinji ito stories that isn't about holes um Uh many of them do seem to be about holes but uh he does love holes he must love holes is what i always say in that respect is he the sort of like like if you have hr giger on one end of the horror spectrum is he like on the other end do you think oh where hr giger is sort of about like fleshy he's protrusions poles. he's about poles and he's about, Ito poles, is about right. poles i say that but i think geeker also is somewhat about holes sometimes um like the face hugger is sort of like there's a hole in there that kind of looks like um yeah there's like a little a little looks egg like hole. something it's a it's a little yonic um <laughs> if i may be so um delicious there and uh but I think, generally speaking, they are, um, you know, eating from different sides of the horror plate. Yeah, I, I would actually agree with you. I think that's a, a good, um, is praxis the right word here? I don't really actually know what praxis means. No one does. Um, <laughs> and if you know what the word praxis means, please um, don't actually tweet at me. I used to know because I have read marks, actually. But it's been a long time. It's been since college. And I would read, uh, we do have the book that I read in college that everyone did if they took political science, which is the Marx Engels Reader. But on our bookshelf, it's right next to like this manga encyclopedia or like this anime Mm -hmm. encyclopedia. And the connotations there of anime communism are i just i can't (laughs) being online has just like i those two words individually are like yeah okay um sure yeah i I think those are basically good things um and then when you put them together it's like hmm hmm i know i don't they they sort of like just uh, it's like (laughs) you know synthesis plus antithesis equals fucking terrible um basically yeah. um are you familiar with a uh, a sort of political youtuber who goes by the name contrapoints um i have heard of this person i am not familiar with her work uh she has this like she has a bunch of different sort of uh recurring personas that she uses to illustrate points in her videos and one of them is a a trans feminine cat girl socialist who mm. is super into like violence against uh, Nazis and stuff like that. And it's just like absolutely the embodiment of sort of the aesthetic <laughs> you were describing. 
Yeah, that is a look, isn't it? Whether it's a good look or a bad look, I leave to the imagination of the reader. Um, but it certainly is a genre of Twitter user. Very, very true. I, I will not cast any sort of value judgment don't one way or the other. But do cast glances, spells, <laughs> um, stones. You know, these are the yeah. things that we, uh, fishing lines, you know. Iron. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, no, it is, um, it is at the point where seeing an avatar that depicts an anime character, an, a- an anime avatar, if you will, um, I, and I hope you will, um, it's sort of a, a little silent alarm goes off in my head because, um, <laughs> you know, worst case scenario, this person is like a full on Nazi, um, does believe very strongly in the supremacy of the white race. Uh, and best case scenario is um, that other thing you described. And obviously, um, those people much more sympathetic and broadly speaking, you know, um, good, decent, hardworking, rural, upstanding, um, <laughs> lying down backwards, left and right people. Um, uh-huh. Sometimes a bit difficult to communicate with on the internet. Yes. And whether that is due to the internet's properties or people's personalities or some interaction of the two uh well the jury's still out on that yeah you know i i um i can't say i am not a scientist um oh, let's just well, leave that to the philosopher's well, merit okay let's, uh... well maybe well then then why are we then what are your <laughs> what is what is it worth then to your opinions not a scientist uh, <laughs> Have you- no, nothing at all. <laughs> well, neither am I. So that's good, actually. Um, we will have a scientist in at the end of the show to evaluate the claims that we've we? made and uh, determine whether they are substantiated by the evidence or not. Um, so I guess speaking of science, speaking of evaluations, of hypotheses, of, you know, Bunsen burners... Uh, let's move on to a segment that has nothing to do with any of those things. Oh, I love it. Oh, great. Okay, well, this segment is the only segment that we do on this show, and it's called Get Wrecked. Get Wrecked. Which I've just noticed does sound like the name of or a segment on a 90s Nickelodeon game show. Oh, it really does. Hi, I'm Zap Man Kisser. Welcome to <laughs> Get Wrecked. I couldn't think of a name, and that's where I landed. Um, and I'm Chelsea Sitzpinkler. Welcome to <laughs> our show. That was Sitzpinkler? Is that what you hit? Yeah, that's German for sits down to pee. Oh, that's lovely. Um, Man Kisser <laughs> is English for... Um, a man kisser. Oh. One who kisses a man. I love it. Yeah. I mean, um, that's a, that name goes way back. It's like, you know, Smith or um, <laughs> Cooper. It's like a, one of those occupation names. You know, the right, village exactly. needed someone you know, the, the who village kiss man, man kisser. Yeah. It's just a job that someone had to do. Once yeah, we start exactly. doing division of labor, once we start building a, a civilization, I, once we move away from hunting and gathering and then move to, you know, herding and then start Man agriculture, kissing. which definitely wasn't a mistake and definitely didn't lead to the development of surpluses and of inequality. Um, but we got man kissing out of it. So, yeah, I mean, take the good with the bad, right? Yeah. And then you have different strokes for different folks. Mm-hmm. And speaking of different folks and strokes, um, whew, uh, not that, um, <laughs> not that, but this is a segment where we recommend things to our listeners and I like to leave it to the guest as to their choice, so to speak, um, in a manner of speaking, whether they would like to go first, primarily, um, initially and so on, or, um, or second, 
consequently, subsequently, uh, et cetera? Um, you know, I think I'm going to take second and uh, you can oh, go first, lovely. my friend. Lovely, lovely, lovely. And I have, as always, prepared something. And, you know, that thing is, oh, how can I begin to describe that thing? Um, no, I do. I do have a thing. And it is right here. Um, this is just a little website that I found the other day. And um, you may know of, um, you may know websites as those things that you go to in your internet browser. And I, I they, have heard of them. Yeah, no, I mean, I think they're going to be pretty big. Um, this is at the Cantor Art Center at Stanford University. Uh, the URL is uh, very long. We'll post it in the show notes. But it is uh, all of these negatives of, uh, of, I think, by, possibly by other people, but I think by Andy Warhol um, with, you know, all of these people who are sort of in that scene in New York at the time. So you have like the New York Dolls, uh, Annie Leibovitz. Um, Diana Vreeland. Um, oh, apparently Roy Cohn was at one of these dinner parties. So, well, he's dead. So <laughs> fuck him. Truman Capote. Um, you know, just all of these cool people. And I just, I don't really care about Andy Warhol. I mean, maybe some people will be upset with me about that statement. I think, I don't know. I don't, to be fair, I don't know that much about him. Um, I basically know that um, what's her name? tried to kill him um for oh, not reading right. her manuscript the person mm -hmm. who wrote the scum manifesto that's right yeah valerie oh it's gonna bug me um uh well, turfenstein uh i don't know if she was german um <laughs> no i didn't whatever um but yeah she did try to kill andy warhol um at some point but i don't know i like this stuff i like these photos of like like just like you know candid weird party photos of people in like the 60s and 70s and 80s in new york um it's just like kind of cool to see just like people being dumbasses in the way that people still are dumbasses you know um yeah so yeah i'm gonna look through those and um yeah i would you know recommend that if you like that kind of thing that you check it out too that's very cool um uh the canter is actually sort of near where i live so i might go oh. look at them in person and steal cool. them <laughs> steal them sell them yeah no just uh, hang them on my wall eat them just with you know like thumbtacks oh yeah just really just punch through them mm-hmm um but no that's that's really cool um i i love seeing stuff like that uh, that shows these sort of mythologized figures being dumbasses in the same way that, you know, you and I are dumbasses. Uh, yeah. it, it sort of gives us common, common thread throughout, uh, uh, humanity. It's really nice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, I guess I will recommend something now, which is, um, there, I've been watching a, a huge amount of YouTube videos lately. Um, and there's one that I watched that I uh, uh, really, really uh, stuck with me called, um, uh, I, I guess I'll put a content warning here, uh, uh, Suicide and Mental Health by a YouTuber called Philosophy Tube, which is like admittedly a pretty like side-eyed name, right? Um, <laughs> he, is, he is not a, uh, you know, a, an atheist skeptic, thank goodness, um, but this is a, a video that sort of starts out as um, exploring the sort of historical context for the pathologization of like people who have attempted suicide. Um, mm. But then it becomes this uh, uh, personal exploration of the host's own uh, suicidal tendencies. And it uh, really sort of transcends um, being an analysis piece and turns into sort of like... Uh, have you ever heard the term ekphrastic? I have. It's yeah, it turns into this sort of terms. like ekphrastic piece that's uh, in response to 
um, a lot of other pieces of art and it's, um, it's, it's really beautiful. And it, um, as someone who has, uh, going to be radically open here, uh, dealt with a lot of that stuff, it was, uh, a really, a really kind and empathetic look at, Mm. uh, those sorts of struggles. Um, and I, I would not recommend watching it if you are in a bad place currently, but if you are feeling pretty stable and you have dealt with this stuff or know someone who has, it might be like a, a, a sort of kindness to you. And, um, it's, it's just really a, a wonderful video. Hmm. That sounds really cool. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I've been, um, super down the rabbit hole with a bunch of, uh, leftist YouTubers. And this is, this is one of them who does some pretty interesting work. And, uh, this is definitely my favorite video that I've seen, uh, by far. Nice. Well, that's awesome. I will have to check that out. And with that, we're basically at the end of this podcast. And so thank you so much for joining me. And do you want to tell people where they can find you online? Yeah, sure. Uh, The easiest place to find me is on Twitter. I am at KeikoCat, C-E-I-C-O-C-A-T. Um, I also have a more or less defunct YouTube channel, which I haven't added videos to in a year, uh, which is the same username as my Twitter. Cool. Um, what did you use your YouTube for, if I can ask? Oh, anime analysis. Hell yeah. Um, Yeah. My, my fave. (laughs) Um, yeah, I have like, I think five videos on there. Um, and they're okay. (laughs) Well, I bet they're better than okay. Well, thank you for saying so, Merit. <laughs> well, um, I will uh, I will say good evening to you then, or good afternoon, as it may be the case in your time zone. And I will say again, um, you know, um, I guess excited slash um, depressed but resolute sign off. Uh, depending on the results of today's election. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say vote, but it would come a little late. Um, So, yeah, I'll just say, uh, yeah, so long. And uh, thank you again for coming on, and I will talk to you later. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Merit. Bye. Bye. Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co slash messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.